0: It was reasonable to think that 2023 would be a pivotal calendar year for the Thunder franchise. It was a team on the verge, and rookie Chet Holmgren was set to make his debut in the fall. But the spring went better than most anyone expected. And sooner than we thought, Shea Gildas Alexander was the first-team All-NBA selection who'd led his team to the play-in tournament. By the end of the calendar year, OKC looked like one of the NBA's best teams. He closed out the year on a run that included two wins at reigning champion Denver, and home wins against the Clippers, then the league's hottest team, and the Wolves, the top team in the Western Conference. It carried the momentum into 2024 with a home win against the Celtics, and NBA social media suddenly was buzzing. Is the Thunder making a leap? Has it accelerated the timetable to compete for championships? Until the Thunder is in the playoffs, of course, it's impossible to say, but it's still fun to talk about. Today, we're doing that with Brandon Soul of NBA Top Shot, the year that was the Thunder team that is, and what might happen next. I'm Brett Dawson, and this is Heard Thundering. Before we get started, a quick thanks to the sponsors who support our show, MidFirst Bank, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Casino, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. All right, and with that, Brandon Soul is here. Brandon, welcome. Thanks for being here.
1: Of course, Brett. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be back. This is a a blast.
0: Well, you know, here's the deal. So a little inside baseball, a little scheduling note for the people. We're recording this on a day when the Thunder plays a game, right? And so we could spend a lot of time on the Boston game, and I do actually want to spend some time on the Boston game because it was so good, and there's a lot to talk about. They're going to play the Hawks after we record this, and who knows what will happen, and we might look real stupid when they lose to like one of the worst home court teams in the NBA. So we won't do too much of that, but you sent a tweet this week that said, if the Thunder beat the Celtics, you were going to be insufferable, and I want to give you the floor to just be insufferable, Brandon.
1: (laughs) Oh, I mean, you know, I was exaggerating because... you know you know this run that the thunder are on or it's just yeah. it's of course it's impressive every you know no everyone's talking about it and it's just been this huge building block game after game you know first it, it all started with the thunder beating the nuggets the first time on the road and then and then they go and beat the timberwolves and then oh, more people are talking about the thunder and then and then they go beat the nuggets again on the road and then they keep you know they don't fall into a trap game against the nets and they win that game and then the biggest test of them all the celtics come to town and they're underdogs at home, and they win the game. Um, so insufferable, you know, I was just trying to fire off a good tweet. Uh, <laughs> it's, but, it's fair. But,
0: You're always a little insufferable, so it's fine. <laughs> you also know? fair. Like, so it's, it's all good. I, I do think, like, I do want to spend just a second on this because I, we're going to get into some other stuff. We talked about this. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about just kind of the year that was, 2023, and the, the sort of emergence of this team and what kind of happens next. But I think in framing that, it is reasonable to talk about One, what you just said. I mean, in the span of a little more than two weeks, they beat the reigning champs twice on their home floor. They beat the best team in the West, and they beat the best team in the East, which also is the best team in the NBA. Now, those two are at home. But in between there, there's a couple, as you mentioned, a couple little trap games. The Knicks are a really good team that's got a chance. You know, they always have a chance uh, in any game. The Nets are a weird high-variance three-point shooting team, but they're a team that can get hot and beat you. So. I just think like they've done all the stuff good teams are supposed to do for a long time. They were beating up on bad teams. And we thought this is how you get in the playoffs, right? This is the way you make your way into the playoffs and you make yourself a, you know, a threat to get into that top four or five range. You just beat everybody you're supposed to beat. And then you got to jump up every now and then and beat some of these good teams. And now they're just they're just like routinely beating all these good teams while continuing to do that one thing they're supposed to do at this stage, which is beat brooklyn and and you know beat detroit way back in the day and all that yeah and
1: we didn't even mention the clippers win and the oh, knicks gosh. win yeah.
0: being a, a second night of a back-to-back that
1: that's like the you know perfect trap game when it when it felt like the knicks needed a win and instead the the thunder took care of business and and that's been kind of the theme all season and as you kind of alluded to there they they take care of business especially against the bad teams but then like you said against the good teams too they're winning these games so It's, I don't even, I think it's beyond what a good team is supposed to do. Good teams don't even do what they're doing right now, where you're just beating all the bad teams. You're not falling for any trap games and you're winning the games that are toss-ups. I mean, they're on a run right now. It's hard to argue that they're not, they're playing the best ball of anybody in the entire league. So I don't, I don't know what you can say. I don't know what you can criticize right now about this team. There's not
0: a thing you can point out. So there's there's one thing you can criticize, right? There is one thing you can criticize, and that is this isn't the playoffs. There's lots of little stuff you can say they've got a home road imbalance, but that'll take care of itself, and we'll see where they are. Um, but the the fair criticism of them, it's not fair criticism. The reasonable criticism is to say until a team does this in the playoffs, we don't know how they'll respond to the playoffs. This is a young team, so all that kind of you know drilling down on the scouting report, making Josh Giddey beat you. Uh, throwing a bigger guy on Shea, seeing how Chet responds to a slightly more physical and way more slowed down game, right? This is a really fast team, and everybody knows the playoffs slow down, and they're called differently, and all that stuff. But it's really not fair to make that judgment right now because these aren't the playoffs. Like, you can't judge a team based on what it's going to do in the playoffs in January. All you can do is say, here's what it's doing right now. And I think the philosophy of the Thunder has been Let's get to the playoffs and see, let's see how all this works. And that's why they're not like, you know, running to the Hills for Larry marketing or doing whatever. I think it's like, let's just get this group there and see how it looks. And that doesn't mean they won't do anything, but like, that's the only knock is it's not playoff time yet.
1: Yeah. And that's not something that they can control, right? Like this is the regular season. They're, they're taking care of business as it's in front of them. And they're saying all the right things. They're doing all of the right things. Uh, Last night against the Celtics, you know, they stick Tatum on him, and that's the, that was the best stretch of basketball the Celtics had on Shea on the night. But we're talking about a stretch of a few minutes. It's You know, like, right. other than that, Shea was dominant in the game. And, and, and the Celtics also did what kind of everyone thought that they would do, putting Chris Epps Porzingis on Josh Giddey, leaving him open to shoot, allowing Porzingis to roam and, and be a rim defender, where the, where the Thunder couldn't really do that against the Celtics. And that was going to be a thing to watch for uh, because of that Celtics starting lineup. And the Thunder answered the call. They're just doing that. Like if this was a, I mean, there was a heavyweight battle and the Thunder are answering every single punch. So yeah, I mean, you can't ask any more from this team right now. But it's unrealistic to expect them to maintain this going forward also, right? Like you can't, you're obviously not going to win every single game the rest of the season. But the way they're right. playing right now, it's hard to imagine how they're going to lose because even when they seemingly play, Not bad. I don't want to say bad because they haven't played bad in a long time. But like take the New Year's Eve game against the Nets. Didn't feel like they played particularly super well that game. They weren't like clicking. They weren't like, wow, this team is is great. And they still easily win that game. So it's hard to figure out how they're exactly going to drop games as long as this team is healthy.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the last time they played really poorly, right, was Houston. They were really bad at Houston. And that was kind of the first night where teams had been sagging off giddy but Houston was the first night where they said we're not only going to do it we're going to do it with Shangoon and it's going to look different and it's just a different thing and it's like giddy didn't really know how to react the coaches didn't totally know how to react If you look at what's happened since then, he's been so much better. And again, the caveat that they play tonight, but like, he's been a lot better. Not only shooting, like the shooting is whatever. Josh Giddy's not a great shooter. He shot the ball better lately, but he'll have more stretches where he doesn't shoot the ball well, Yeah, but he's more confident. He's more decisive. They've got him on the move a little bit cutting. What was happening when teams were first starting to sag is he would just stand there kind of frozen. And then sometimes he'd take these reluctant threes. And I think that speaks to the point you're making there. Like, like, You know, they did let Porzingis, the Celtics had Porzingis be a roamer, but like Wiggins cut him to death. You know, like they they were making plays where guys were cutting, going right at him as a roamer. Um, These guys just figure stuff out. This is a complete name drop and self plug. But like I wrote a story about this and talked to Steph Curry where he was saying, like, what a fun time that was for them when they were young and really innovative and doing something really new. And then defenses would say, we're going to take this away from you. And you'd go back to the huddle and say, okay, they did this. What do we do now? Or you'd go to practice the next day and say, how do we do this? And he's like, when you're young and really skilled and really smart and really dynamic, it's just so fun. And that's, that's the stage they're in right now. They just seem a step ahead of everybody
1: right now. Derek White said last night in postgame, right? Everyone in the league is trying to figure out how to guard this team and no one can really figure it out right now. That is, that is a quote. I mean, that's something to remember going forward. And and I think Mark said, was this yesterday? I can't remember when he said this, but he said they've instilled a few things into the offense to give Giddy some options too, to help him with yeah. the way teams are are defending him. And like you said, he's he's being more confident. Shea set him up for, I think, each of his threes last night. So the confidence that his own best player is showing him in as well to take those shots to put those passes in the in the shooting pocket for giddy too just making things a little bit easier for him and we know like that's not going to be him going forward not necessarily shooting the ball but that's not what the thunder want from him also like right they're not keep they're not going to keep him in the starting lineup or keep keeping him playing 25 to 30 minutes a night hoping that he makes four threes like you're not banking on that you're you're hoping that giddy's going to provide you the things that he does well and he sort of started to find that groove again Hitting that floater, you know, before the season, he talked about he, he thinks he bails defenses out too much, taking that floater a little too often. He used to go at the rim, try to, try to make, the, make the referee blow the whistle. Maybe he went a little too far there because that floater is kind of his shot. And I know the percentage yeah. is like, it's not like an elite shot, but, you know, he's a third-year player. Like, let's give him a break. Let's let him continue to, continue to work things, these things out because when he does have that floater going, it really opens things up for this offense, and that's his shot. And if that's his shot, that's what he needs to take. Uh, so I like the way he's playing, and that was sort of the last piece of the puzzle until the Thunder really started catching this groove. I mean, I was just looking up the team stats earlier, Brett, and I just want to, like, fire some of these at you. And I know you know these because this is your job, uh, <laughs> but these are, these are wild. This is We've never experienced anything like this in, in the years of covering Thunder basketball. So field goal percentage. Third in the NBA, 49.9%. Three point percent, it's first in the NBA, 39.3%. Free throw percent, it's first in the NBA, 85%. By the way, that's 50, 39, 85 splits as a team. That's like an MVP yeah. caliber player. This is as yeah, a team. Right.
0: Uh, right. The, the three point shooting thing is like if you were, you know, the, the sort of classic, if you're in a coma, if you're going to coma in 2018, and you come back and the Thunder are the best three point shooting team in the NBA, you can't wrap your head around that. No,
1: no, it makes no sense. Like, the, the, it appears as a philosophical change. And I think we spoke about this last time you had me on uh, from the front office, but I don't, you know, that's a deeper conversation. But let me keep running through these here effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage, third, assist, 10th. I don't know this. I don't know this, Brett, but that has to be the highest in Thunder history.
0: yeah and it it almost weirdly seems low for them given i was surprised the number of games where it's like oh they got 35 assists on 49 made field goals or whatever yep turnover percentage second best in the league assists to turnover fourth best
1: steals fourth blocks first net rating third so just to recap that they're excellent offensively they're a great shooting team they're amazing on the defensive end they take care of the ball that has all the makings of a good team that's like are they as good as they've been playing the past, you know, two weeks or whatever? Are they, are they truly the best team in the league? Like that—that's probably unrealistic. But are they a yeah. great, good team? I think they've solidified themselves as a truly, really, really good team.
0: Yeah, there's to me, there's kind of no doubt about that. I know that that Sam Presti views this season as like, let's finish our breakfast. Yeah. But to me, like this is a team that's at least at lunch. You know, like they've <laughs> at least kind of moved on. Um, even even just thirty two games or whatever that number is, um, thirty three games, whatever um, it is, it's crazy. The thing about the Giddy thing, all those stats you just reeled off, I think this is important to note. Like when people play Giddy, the way they play Giddy, it's because of all that stuff you said. It's not because of Josh Giddy. It's not yeah. like we think Giddy's bad and he can't do anything in space. What it is is these other guys are so good. We've got to make a choice. So one of the choices we're going to make is we're going to play off Giddy. now the Celtics do it and get burned. And, you know, Dan Devine from Yahoo said, it seems to me that we're at the stage now where if Giddy shoots like that and you play the thunder, you just lose. Like, that's just what happens. Um, now he even pointed out when he said that the Celtics are good enough to prove me wrong. And they almost did. I mean, they almost overcame that um, with just a, a incredible run in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, it, it's, there's such a good offense that you've just got to try different stuff. It's, you know, Mark Degnall talked about it. They go to Minnesota in that game that they lose, and they really didn't play very well. We talk about games where they haven't played well. That's one. They did not play very well at Minnesota, but lost by three and made the best defensive team in the league do a thing it doesn't want to do. They, they made the Timberwolves play zone, which is not something the Wolves would prefer. So it's pretty incredible how good they are offensively. And, oh, by the way, like their defense is ranked just as high as their offense
1: yeah, t- to me, that's the biggest difference in this team from this season to last season, outside of Chet, of course. Like, Chet's the biggest difference, right? But outside of that is the Correct. optionality offensively and-, and how guys are stepping up, uh, particularly Jalen Williams. I mean, that's a big one. And when Dort shooting over 40% from three, that. That helps. He, he's taking better ones. But yeah. Jalen Williams, just being able to give him the ball in the fourth quarter and trust him to go get a bucket on one of the best players in the league like they did last night against Jason Tatum, and he did it. And the confidence that he plays with and the confidence the team shows in him, it all feels very real right now, and it's all really coming together. And um, You're just seeing it really click, and it's a, it's a magical time for this squad right now.
0: Another moment, I think, by the way, of just like, how good they're getting and how tough they are is like, if you're the Celtics, you're feeling pretty good about this run you're on. And you're like, we got Jason Tatum over there on Shea and he's really getting the job done. And then Jalen Williams takes him yeah. and, and, and hits a fadeaway on him to kind of ice the game, almost ice the game. Essentially they, the Celtics. Yeah. And, there's,
1: and that's sort of like the ideal one, two punch between Shea and Jada is because while they have some similarities offensively, and obviously they're both, pretty elite drivers obviously Shea's one of the best if not the best driver in the league they can do different things uh you know jw ha- has tatum in the mindset of he's been guarding Shea. shays or tatum's in the mindset of i've been guarding Shea. i what am i playing what jadeb Hudson with that step back he doesn't go all the way to the rim. he's got the length to get over to get the shot over tatum he's got the strength as well that he's really been utilizing over the past couple weeks by the way and i wonder if he's gonna get side note i wonder if he's gonna start getting called for that little elbow uh, that he's kind of yeah. been throwing out there a little bit more but he hasn't to this point and to his credit he's i love the aggression that he's playing with but what a big time shot from a second year player and it's hard to believe when you watch this team down the line, Jada being a second a second year player and hitting these clutch shots, and Chet hit two massive threes in the fourth quarter against the Celtics that were much needed in in the middle of that Celtics run. And that is when these young teams are supposed to fall apart because that was a playoff atmosphere. Celtics wanted that game. It's not like they just you know teams aren't limping into Paycom Center this year and just expecting to win. The Thunder put a, up 150 on the Celtics last year. That. Like the Celtics remember that, you know, they're not just they put themselves on the map and then some this, that was a playoff atmosphere. And they were able to, to hold on through all of the foul calls at the end through all the free throws. I don't how many possessions did the Celtics not score on late in that fourth quarter.
0: It feels like almost. Uh, I feel and like I, a... <laughs> I don't know the data on that. I feel like they scored on every possession from the time they were down 18 until the game ended. That's not true, but it's, it feels it like might it. might be true, Brett. Like, it felt like they scored yeah, on yeah. every
1: possession. We, we've,
0: we've fallen a little bit into a trap. I knew this was going to happen because that game was so intriguing. It was so interesting that we spent a lot of time in talking about how good they've been. We're talking a lot about that Celtics game, which I want to get away from a little bit. But, you know, you, you talked about it. That the difference in the team is Chet, and that's, you know, Shea is the best player, um, but Chet is the guy who sort of elevated things. And those two fourth-quarter threes, I know we're talking about the Celtics some more, but that's emblematic of what's happened. It's the space that that creates. It's the fact that, like, you can't you can't guard Shea with one guy; it doesn't really work. Like Tatum did a nice job, but like, what you are often going to do is bring help. And like now, when you bring that help, sometimes the guy at the top of the key is a seven foot freak of nature who who has a knack for making big shots, yeah. um, not shy. And we've seen that all year. I mean, it's that's that's who he is, and that's that changes who they are. It's completely changed the floor. Um, not like the floor in terms of how low you can go. It t- it's changed what the floor looks like for Shea um, because it's just spacing. He's so much better than I think anybody had any reason to believe he would be offensively at this stage. But the one thing I think everybody did expect is that he'd make open jump shots, and he's really done it. Well, talking big
1: picture, too, with Shea, the dude means business this season. I, I was joking yeah. with a friend the other day, and I was like, I don't know that I've seen SGA smile this year. And I'm not saying that as in a bad way. You, you know, if you, if you go back on some of his game winners in his early OKC days, like his funny celebrations, like him kind of being goofy on the court, you don't see that anymore. He's got a very business-like approach this season. like Even when he hits, hits the game-winner in Denver, no reaction. Uh, now, he cheers for teammates when they do well, when he, when he does well, when he does something that wows everybody else, no reaction. Because he expects that out of himself at this point. He had a quote last night about, you know, I practice like the best defenders in the league are guarding me. This dude means business this season. You can see sort of the trickle-down effect, I think, in that. And and Chet is sort of on that same level mentally with Shea, where he, his approach to the game is just beyond where, where it should be as as a second-year or a redshirt rookie, whatever you want to call
0: him. I like redshirt rookie because I'm a big fan of alliteration. Mark Dignall was talking yesterday about how they have artists. Uh, players are artists or scientists is sort of the way he views them. And I don't know if this is something he like read in a book somewhere or something but he was talking about J Dub is an artist he's a uh, creative guy when he's out there and you know he, he got asked to explain that a little bit and i asked him if he had any scientists like are there any scientists on the roster and um he called that my best question of the year <laughs> which he immediately followed by saying that as a low bar uh, which i appreciated but uh he um he, he said, you know, like that Chet is a scientist. He's a guy in the lab more so than, you know, working on a canvas. And I said, I thought Shay sort of strikes me as a guy who, who crosses into both worlds a little bit. Um, but he, he says Shay's an artist. That's a guy who is he's making art out on the court. But I do think he's very calculated. And he's so specific in the way. I think he is kind of experimental. Chet, uh, uh, Shea goes and sees what works and what doesn't. And then he's back in the lab kind of figuring it out. And you can see that this year, little things. And th- that approach you talked about, he said, you know, I've had times in my life where I've made the big shot and then the other guys made the big shot. And, like, I'll celebrate when it's over. And even when it's over, he doesn't mm-hmm. celebrate too much. It's, it's pretty reserved. Yeah, I, I,
1: it's, it's just something I, I'm continuing to notice. And I love it. And, and and it just feels like the stars are really aligning and have been for this team. And they have the perfect coach. I mean, the, some of these, these quotes from Mark are just like, could there be a better fit? Has there ever been <laughs> a better fit with any other roster in NBA history? And I know that sounds... Hyperbolic, but I'm serious. Like th- the way this is all just sort of coming together, and you look back at last season and what this team kind of went through. And I think there was something like 15 and 21 at the new year, and sort of catching their stride uh, as as they come into 2023. And uh, Jalen Williams really starting to figure things out in the second half of last season, and then having to witness LeBron breaking the record and sit over there on the sideline and still win the game, but no one cares. No one talks about you, you know, and then having, and then getting in the play in and actually winning one of those games and then getting blown out in the next one and having to sit all summer with a bad taste in your mouth. It just feels like everything that every good thing that could happen to this team to really set them up for success for the next thing has. Uh,
0: Yeah. And that's where we're at. Yeah, you, you, you totally and beautifully stepped on one of my points. So I, I, I applaud you for this because we're thinking along the same lines. Because what I, what I wanted to talk about a little as we did this is that year 2023 is a, like you don't think about the NBA in calendar years, of course, because there's an offseason in between all of them and the team changes no matter how much continuity you have the team has changed in some way this team changed in a really meaningful way in the middle of 2023 and that Chet got healthy and Chet became a player on the team but like to me i kind of wanted to look back at this past little stretch here of 2023 as we move into 2024 and like i wanted to ask you what are moments or, or times in 2023 in that calendar year where you sort of thought here it comes you know it's happening and to me I think that Laker game is one of the biggest ones. I think the LeBron game is one because I think there's a, there's a lot of stuff you have to have to be a good team and a lot of it personnel wise, but like attitude wise, I think you got to have some F you to be a great team. And those guys were like, F you, this is not your night. It's our night. We're going to win the game. And that to me, it was a, was, emblematic of what was happening here in the second part of that season.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really great one. And there, and there it feels like there are so many um with this team, especially as I mentioned in the second half of last season and into the beginning of this season. But one for me, and and maybe this is like kind of right on the border of 2022, 2023, but like you could certainly make a case it happened early 2023 when Shea just re- there, there was a point early last season where you know Shea comes out the gate. He's averaging 30 plus Um, And I'm just like, okay, wow. Hot start to the season for Shea Gilders, Alexander. This guy's awesome. We knew he was great, but I I don't expect him to continue to average 30 plus. Like, come on, that's, that's not realistic. And then he kind of just keeps doing it. Um, And then he kind of just keeps doing it. And then he hits a couple game winners. And then you realize in January, as the team really starts to win games, and now you're above 500 team uh, in the, in the year, 2023 on the other side of the new year. And you're like, okay, this is for real. This guy's for real. So that's like, it's not an exact moment, but as like a big yeah. picture moment, that'd be one. And then just like being in that play and that win against the Pelicans, I think, was a big one to, to mark that I'll always remember. Because if you remember going into that game, the Thunder really struggled. Uh, they, they weren't playing well. Pelicans were. They were underdog in that game. Pelicans match up really well against them. It seems like the Thunder struggle against the Pelicans. Herb Jones might be the best Shea defender in the league uh, based on the sample yeah. size that we have. To, and, and Josh, what happens? Josh Giddy has his best game of his career. Uh, and Che hits a huge clutch shot over Herb Jones. So that, that's one that I would point out as well.
0: Yeah, that, that game to me, like New Orleans, um, I think people think of New Orleans from four or five years ago where it's like this desolate basketball place. But because of that playoff series against Phoenix, it's a great atmosphere when they're good. And it was a great atmosphere that night. You could tell watching it. Um, And that that game, you know, on the flip side, the Minnesota thing is formative, too. I mean, I think that's a a moment that shapes who they are, Um, because like, you know, people talk about maybe they're good enough to skip steps. Maybe they'll just be good. But that was a step for them. It's not like they haven't had setbacks. They, They got handled at Minnesota with a chance to make the playoffs, a team that coming off the high of that New Orleans game, then gets kind of put down at Minnesota. And and that is a failure to kind of take with you and sit with and build on. I think the
1: failures this team has gone through are just as important as the successes, if not more. I I mean, I think that's a great point, Brett, because even on an individual level, Shea's cousin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, was guarding him. He was the matchup that night, and he did an excellent job, and Shea had a poor game. Think about... With, with Shea's mentality and the way he approaches the game, he had to sit all summer with that. You know, that's, not, that's not what you want to do, let alone your family being the one to shut you down like that. Um, and go back to after the All-Star break last season. The, uh, the Thunder start, I think they lost five in a row, something like that, after the All-Star break. And, and they win yeah. in the All-Star break playing great basketball. And so that was a really disappointing stretch, but that was a failure that was really important to recall because they bounced back. They bounced back, and they got it back together.
0: Yeah, they had like a five-game road trip at one point after that. I think it was after that where you thought like, well, they could go 0-5, and I think they went 4-1. and one. Maybe it was a four-game, and they went 3-1. They lost in Miami when Miami shot a yeah. thousand free throws. and made In their one only one. national
1: uh, um, TV game, I believe.
0: Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and then to me, I think in this year, we've talked about this run they're on right now. Um, you know, best team in the East, best team in the West, hottest team in the league defending champions all these teams they've beaten to me and I've been a little bit of an age skeptic I didn't think they'd win you know I didn't think they'd beat Boston I certainly didn't think they would sweep Denver um in in the two road games so I've been a little bit of like oh something will catch up with them here and there but I will say there was a moment much earlier in the year that to me and this is not like a, a big it's not like a small thing I picked out everybody remembers this but when they won at Golden State the second night with Steph in the lineup, and Shea takes over down the stretch, Shet makes the big shot, all that stuff. That's a huge win. And then they just come back and slaughter Portland the next night. And, like, that's not... Portland shouldn't beat them, even at Portland. Even on the second night of a back-to-back. But, like, the idea that that wouldn't even be competitive is is a mature team. Um, a surprisingly mature team at this yep. phase.
1: I mean, that's a, that's a great one. That's another one of those trap games that we spoke about early right like they they could have easily just kind of come out of the gates and, and not play very well and that's what thunder teams have passed would have done absolutely what they would have done not this team uh another one like that is and it, it's more concentrated in within a game is the dallas thirty zero run uh yeah. and, and they still yeah. find a way to win that game yeah which is just absurd that's right
0: we cannot prove that any team has ever withstood a 30-0 run to win because we cannot prove that a, another 30-0 run exists because in the in the history of play by play data it's the first one I think. Yeah, so. I mean that was that was an experience.
1: I'll never forget that one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and th- this is great. This these are great things to get thrown at this team. I mean like that's what we talk when we say it's you can't talk about the playoffs yet because they haven't been there, but these are things 2 play in games. Uh, you know having to play a, a two game series with golden state that th- these Baseball series kind of replicate the playoffs as well as anything can in the Regular season nothing really can the one thing they didn't do you know like they, The thing I really thought this team would do and this is another thing that It's not really a failure Um, But they, they were just no shows in the tournament the in-season tournament Which surprised me a little bit because I thought these guys might take it as Like you know some stakes and a chance to really prove something but shea misses the the uh, the Golden State game, they just lay an egg at Sacramento without the Aaron Fox. Um, and you know, you, fast forward a couple weeks when the when the tournament uh, actual semis are happening in Vegas, and somebody asks J Dub, you know, now that it's it's here and it's happening, what did you think of the tournament? And J Dub says, yeah, you know, I kind of wish we had known some of those games we were in were tournament games, we might have treated them a little differently. And it's like, did you not? Yes. Yeah, you see the court? Did you, did you miss the court there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See that? I don't think he was serious, right. and he couldn't have been because he was playing on the U.S. Open court.
1: <laughs> I mean, the Thunder were in probably maybe the toughest group in, in the in-season tournament and two of their yeah. road games, Sacramento, Minnesota, or maybe two of their three, four, five toughest matchups in the entire league. Uh, not to make an excuse for him, but that is kind of weird. That's like the weird outlier that they did. They did not perform well in those tournament games. Um, But, you know, another thing to point out in 2023 for me, and this is later 2023, so this is this season, is the energy in the arena um, has really increased drastically from the start of this season to where we're at now, um, which we're talking about 2023. So let's ignore the Boston game. Let's just talk about New Year's Eve, even up to that point. Like there have been the Golden State game, the the plug-in schedule game, the the Friday night when the in-season tournament, bracket was happening and then uh I'm blanking on the the, Cl- the Clippers one was it was a great crowd too but there's been some great crowds right like it, it, you're getting you're starting to get that energy like okay or I think people are starting to realize this team is is back a little bit so it's just nice to have that energy and that uh that feeling back in Oklahoma City again.
0: yeah I agree I wrote about that at the beginning of the season about like would th- this be the year you know for them where is the is the is the energy going to be back in the building? Is Loud City going to find its voice, I guess? Um, And it was a a reasonable question. And I think they've still got a ways to go. I think they're 24th in the league in percent of capacity. So they're not selling out Mm -hmm. the building. They're not filling up the building, which kind of surprises me given how much fun people seem to be having going. We saw against the Lakers, against the Warriors, and certainly against the Celtics, like they're not keeping everybody out of the building. You know, like the Celtics fans were overwhelming in there um shockingly overwhelming yeah. I think. um but it was it was uh but but you know the, some of the best crowds some of the best atmospheres have been those games where the other team's fans kind of raised the level of the place the Warriors certainly do that every time the Lakers do that the Celtics really did it by the end of the night the Celtics on a great run and it was pretty hard to hear the Celtics fans um because of all the energy in the building so that's definitely true I mean I think you know that early Warriors game in the tournament. I felt yeah. like that was the first one that really did it. Where you're like, "Yep, that's it's back. It feels like it used to feel." And I think it's it's done that several yeah, times. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're
1: quite there. Like we still have a little ways to go. Maybe you put some T-shirts in the stands, and maybe that gets us there. I don't yeah. know. Um, but but we're close. And, and you know, like the Thunder have some pretty smart fans. Um, when you're when you're in the arena, you, you get the you get the sense that. You know, people have been paying attention. They, they've they been waiting for this day. Now it's it's about the people around the edges to start realizing that this seems good again and start coming back to the game to fill in the arena because I guarantee you there's a handful of people in the Oklahoma City limits uh, that do not know who Shea Gilgis-Alexander or Chet Holmgren are. And they're going to find out
0: really soon. <laughs> it's a very big city limits. It's a That's very a large big, area. big city limits. It's one of the biggest. It's hard, It's hard big area. So uh, let's quickly, we, we don't have a ton of time, but let's, let's talk about 2024 just a little bit. So tell me, something brand and soul that's going to happen in 2024 and go as wild or as basic as oh you oh my want.
1: gosh well i'm gonna go basic because i don't know this would have been more wild though in my defense but let's just keep it simple and this isn't gonna sound crazy but i'm gonna say the thunder are gonna win its first playoff series since 2016 doesn't sound bold right now and if you're listening if you've been paying attention like you're like, well, of course they are. They're, they're on fire. They're one of the best teams in the league. Well, let, let's, let's talk in a month. Let's talk in two months. Let's see where we're at. You know, things change. There's ebbs and flows to the season. And this is big, though. Like, we, I think if you would have said this at the beginning of this season, it would have been bold, right? I think you said, okay, making the playoffs, that's not that bold. Like, I could see them making the playoffs. Are they going to win a series? Now, come on. That, that seems a little overkill to a young team. Now we're at a point where like, oh, the two seed, they're they're threatening for the one seed. Of course, they're going to win a series. But they're still young. They're still teams that, you know, they may potentially play in the first round if they make the playoffs, which I, I expect them to at this point, that are going to be tough matchups like the Lakers. Like the, the most Thunder thing that could happen is they draw the Lakers in the first round, you know, and, and that's a scary matchup because of the size, because of the experience or the Kings that seem to have the Thunder's number. But. I'm willing to bank on the Thunder, you know, drawing a matchup that they like, even if they draw one of those teams and 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 handling their business, because that's what they've been doing all year. And this is a skilled team. And if they stay, stay healthy, you know, if their big three stays healthy, uh, I think they want a series.
0: I like that. I'm going to tell you why it's not. It's a little bit bold, just a little bit bold. I was looking at the ESPN BPI, the Basketball Power Index, and I'm not going to pretend that I know how the algorithm of that thing works. But They're at 99.9% now for the Thunder to make the playoffs, but only at like 53.9% for them to win their first round series. So even though ESPN projects them as the two seed right now in the West, and that's, that's not really a projection. I think that's just based on where you are, but it has them as the two seed with just a little bit better than a 50, 50 shot to win.
1: Interesting. I wonder what, well, yeah, what goes into that? I would like to know that.
0: I'm, I'm curious if experience gets factored into that algorithm. I don't know. And that might be somewhere on the page, but because I didn't do a whole lot with it, I didn't read in depth.
1: I will at some point. (laughs) And that's the big thing here, right? Is like no one really knows. Like we've never seen a team this inexperienced make a real run in the playoffs, to my knowledge, like outside of the early day Thunder. Like, right? That's the weird part. That is the weird
0: part. Yeah. That's the Uh, crazy thing. So.
1: And it can't, you know, people are talking finals for this team right now. And like, maybe we cool our jets a little bit, like, but maybe it's not that crazy. I mean, with these numbers, these statistics that we were talking about earlier, like those are finals team numbers, like no doubt about it. Right. Like, so, and it has to happen some point, like just because it hasn't happened, doesn't mean it can't. So. I don't know. It, it seems far fetched because of how young this team is, but you know they got a really great player, and and Chet just pro- continues to prove he's the real deal every single game. So I think they win at least one series. And what what's your confidence level on that? Just like you know where we stand today. Do do you feel like that's a safe bet?
0: I I think they will win a series. I think they're so adaptable um, that I think they'll adjust well in the playoffs. I do have concerns, just for the same reason that anybody would have concerns. I just think. They are very young. They have not played a lot in the playoffs. Lou Dort has played some. Shea has played some. That's it, really. Um, they don't ma- – I mean, Davis Bertans, but is, is Davis going to play? I mean, like, my confidence level of Davis playing in a playoff series is lower than my confidence level of them winning just because he comes and goes so much. Now, he's a guy – I honestly think he's a guy who could win one playoff <laughs> game. Like, that's sort of – he's one of those guys if he's still here at that point, and he may or may not be. Um, But I I think they will win. My biggest concern with them really is less the experience than it is the style of play. When they get into the playoffs, this is a great, fun way to play basketball. And I think they can be really good playing this way because I think Chet is a game changer in terms of it's not really small ball because they got a seven one guy who can play all over the floor. They have like an Anthony Davis type of guy in terms of like his ability to They don't just park him. You know, he's not just protecting the rim. He's all over the floor. They can do a lot of different stuff. But I think the first time you go into it and it does slow down and it is more physical and the game is called differently and you get fewer turnovers and chances to turn those into fast break opportunities like that, I do wonder how they'll adapt to. I have no doubt they'll adapt to it ultimately whether they get it done in the first seven game series they play i think that's my biggest question about them yeah like that. and that's why
1: i think it is so interesting the idea of them making a move and what type of move would they make and i think the easiest bet not the easiest but the safest bet would be that they make one uh towards the bench um someone that they can really trust in a situation where they gotta they gotta lean into a playoff rotation and they gotta s- not stick to it but you want to have your top guys where. Uh, we're what we watch on a night to night basis is still Mark playing with the roster, playing with lineups. And that's what I love about him too, is he's getting all the data. He's getting all the evidence that he can possibly get to take into the playoffs with him. There's nobody I'd trust more to put the right guys on the floor, too. Like you know, you see seen, seen Michich play the, the past few games in at rotational minutes, and you know that's this is all part of the plan. He's not necessarily doing it because Michich is balling out. Like he's doing it because this is part of the plan. They want to get a look at him, they want to give him opportunity. And that's fair. I love that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Mann takes those minutes over the next few weeks just to get a look at him, just to give him an opportunity, because that's kind of what this team does. Now, are those guys playoff rotation guys? Probably not. So that's what's going to be fascinating. Um, Do they see Wiggins as that guy? Do they see Case and Wallace as that guy once they make the playoffs?
0: Yeah, that's so my I can go even less bold than you for a 2024 prediction. I I predict they don't trade for a starter. I think that's the that's where I am with them in terms of making trades doesn't mean eventually they might not want to shake up this starting lineup a little bit. I, I still I've said on so many podcasts and in so many conversations, I've said the words positional size. So many times that it's going to wear people out, but I just think a little more wing size, even more so than another big guy. I do think ultimately they're going to want a big guy, but big guys, honestly, backup bigs are one of the easiest things to find in the NBA. Big wings who don't yeah. muck up what you're doing offensively are hard. That's that's the piece to me, a guy who rebounds some, defends a lot makes an open three and is about six, seven, six, eight and comfortable. If you slide them over to the four, like that's the kind of piece for me, they do not grow on trees. And I don't think that guy necessarily has to be a starter, but that to me is like the priority I would serve. I completely
1: agree with you, Brett. I I would not go after a big guy because what are you really doing? Like, what are you going after a big guy? What are you trading for a big guy for? Um, Rebounding. Okay. Physicality, okay. But you also have to give something up, right? Like you're sacrificing something to lean more into that, which I guess in this situation you are considering a weakness. And is it a weakness if your strengths completely outweigh that weakness? I, I don't know. I, I don't think you want to sacrifice any of these strengths that the Thunder have right now to lean into that. So I completely agree. I would go after a bigger wing. And I think making a trade, especially like a starter, like getting a getting a new starter slide in here, so AKA a borderline blockbuster trade, that's more about other teams than it is this team. Um, is the right guy gonna become available? I think that's what it's all about. Like Presti's not gonna just go do something to do something, right? Like that. That's why the off season seems so more likely than than the regular season to me. Um, but it's gonna be interesting yeah. to watch because if the right guy does become available, I don't think Presti will hesitate because the window isn't forever open. Um, you gotta be opportunistic and this team is, uh, uh, ha- they deserve the shot to go after it, um, for the next couple years. So it, it you know, I'm, I'm sure they're doing their due diligence and it's going to be really fascinating to watch, uh, unfold. But if I were going to, if I were going to make a trade, it would be after exactly what you described.
0: Yeah. Like to me, just because you might have five or six years to compete for a championship and I don't really believe in 10 year championship windows anymore. I just don't think they exist, but just because you might have five or six doesn't mean you can't try to win it in one. Like you can go try to do it now. Why not? Like, why not try you, you, you you know, if you want to eliminate a lot of talk about whether your stars are going to want to be here and all that stuff, just go win a title. That doesn't mean, I don't think that means get Larry marketing or Pascal Siakam or some other guy who's going to come in here and say, I'm the number two guy, everybody else slide down. But if you can get Dorian Finney-Smith, and who's very comfortable being the sixth guy who might finish some games in the right situations, like if that trade presents itself for a cost that you consider to be reasonable, that is one I would say, sure, push in some yeah, stuff. Yeah,
1: I agree. And I, I do think, though, like even if a name, you know, mark and everyone's talking about Laurie mark and to me, that's an amazing fit. I love the fit. But based on the way the Thunder are playing basketball this season, the Thunder have all the leverage here. It, uh, On a in a basketball sense, where if they were to go get a guy like that, it's on that guy to fit in. It's not on the Thunder to adapt to that guy. Like we brought you in because we're going after a championship. You don't get to have an ego. Like you don't get to come in here and say this is the way things are going to be because we we've established something here, and you got to come try to fit in and and try to help us win. Uh, Because there's so much great energy with this team right now, especially I mean, well on both sides of the ball, but the way they play offensively, we've never seen here before, and frankly, the league hasn't seen the way. Offense is being played ever right now like it, there are historic offensive teams across the board like the top six best offensive teams ever are this season and the thunder being one of those teams so um yeah like i said it's going to be fascinating but laurie markinen does does seem like a perfect fit on paper <laughs>
0: He is, but I do think, you know, this has happened a bunch. There are people who want to make a trade. There's like fans who'll get at me and say, we got to get this guy. We got to get that guy. And in some cases, they're the same people who say, I think Chet should shoot more. And like those two notions don't necessarily fit together. If you go get one of those big time guys, they may not want to sit here and watch Chet Holmgren develop and get more and more shots. Uh, They might want to continue to play the role they have, or in some cases, if a guy's about to get traded, a bigger role than they've had in the in the place they were before. So that's the thing I think you have to be careful about. It's just also like right now, everything you talked about, the way things are lining up for them, the way things are just falling in place for them. I would be cautious about messing with it right now. It just doesn't feel like a thing you want to mess with. 100%. Um, that,
1: it's got to be the perfect situation if you're going to make a huge move like that, like a Laurie marketing move. That's got to be Presti's perfect guy, perfect target. Uh, if you're going to make a move like that, you're not going to do it just because you're like, you know what? He's a big name. He's a really good player. We got an opportunity to do it. Let's do it. You got to you do your due diligence and make sure that's going to be the right move. Um, that's why I don't think like a guy like Pascal Siak, I don't think there's a chance of something like that happening. Um, while on paper, maybe right. that fits. I just think there's too many things that don't fit about a trade like that. Um, and I don't think there's many trades that do make a lot of sense. And the ones that kind of do make sense, like the Laurie Markins, like the Kevin Durant that some people have thrown out, like Paul George, some people, yeah. like those ones are just kind of unrealistic, right? Like that's probably not happening. Um, so odds are we're going right. to see this roster almost exactly as is rolling into the playoffs.
0: Yep. It's going to be so fun to watch. It has—it was a really intriguing 2023. I can't wait to see what happens in 2024. It's off obviously to a really good start, depending what happens uh, in Atlanta. Brandon, thanks so much. We got to do this again. It's so much fun to talk thunder with you. I never get tired of it. Uh, I could do it all day, but we can't do it all day. Thanks, so bet. thank you. Thanks again to Brandon. Thanks to everybody for listening. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow the podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a like and subscribe on YouTube. We'll see you next week. Thanks again.